What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Baseball Connection. Back at it again. We do have a lot to cover today. There's a lot going on. Some news in the baseball world. And when I say news, it pertains to the new rules that we're going to see in 2023. Major League Baseball has made some minor tweaks to the rule changes. It was reported earlier this week, but now we have the details. You know, we're getting rule changes on the pitch clock, defensive shift limits, pickoff attempts, and bigger bases this year. All of this has been in use during spring training games so far, and it's worked. Average spring game has dropped from three hours and one minute to two hours and 36 minutes. So we've shaved off 25 minutes of game time. That's a huge development. That's just 25 minutes of dead time. You're not losing any action. So given that, they're not abandoning any of the key pieces, like the 15-second pitch clock with the bases empty or the 20-second clock with runners on. But here is a summary of the changes. So first of all is regarding replays of defensive shift violations. There was some concern that teams could challenge defensive positioning on really tiny infractions like an infielder having a toe or a heel be beyond where they're supposed to be standing, like having their heel on the grass or something like that. But today's memo specifies that only the position of the player who first fielded the ball can be challenged. For instance, if there's a ground, ground out to the third baseman, the batting team can't challenge that the second baseman was violating the positioning rules. I think this is extremely important because we definitely would have seen this happen. We definitely would have seen this happen. I, I just know if if they didn't make this rule change. Someone was, some manager was going to challenge it. I, I guarantee you it would have happened within the first week. So Major League Baseball cleans that up and makes sure that you can only challenge, you only challenge the player who fielded the ball. Makes sense. Cool. Next rule is regarding pitch calm. So MLB players started using pitch calm last year and pitch calm is an electronic device. It allows catchers to call pitches. The catcher calls a pitch through the device and it arrives to the pitcher as an audio message through a receiver in his hat. If the device malfunctions, the player must tell the umpire who can grant time and stop the pitch clock. Now they're specifying that a pitcher won't get more time if they forget their pitch calm in the dugout at the start of an inning. It used to be that if you forgot your, your pitch calm, of course, you know, then you can go get it or whatever. They can bring it to you. But now the pitcher won't get any more time. So if you forget your pitch calm, basically you're just going to have to do without it or take the penalty for the pitch clock violation. So most pitchers would just do without it for the inning. But that's just a more strictly enforced rule. I think that's a really good rule. It's to prevent players from deliberately forgetting the device for any reason. Next is that bat boys and bat girls are going to also be judged on their pace of play. The league can ask clubs to replace a bat boy or a bat girl if they are deemed not quick enough. So they're on the clock too. Everybody's on the clock. Major League Baseball is going to be timing everyone this season. Next is that umpires can delay the start of the pitch clock or even wave it off if the pitch clock operator has already started it when someone took a big swing such that their equipment fell off or the hitter falls to the ground or brush back pitches. So the umpire has discretion to wave that off and you know allow more time if there's like a brush back pitch and take someone down or something like that. When the pitcher, next next is that when the pitcher leaves the mound to make a defensive play, the 30 second between batters clock will be delayed 
until the pitcher is back on the infield grass. So, for example, if the pitcher is going to back up a play in foul territory, like he's going behind third base or behind home or something to back up a throw, then the 30-second in-between batter's clock will be delayed until the pitcher has made it back to fair territory. And next one is that umpires are going to have some discretionary ability with the clock when it comes to catchers who are finishing an inning batting or on base. We all know this, going back to Little League, that you know catchers need extra time to get their gear on if they were running the bases or if they were hitting. So the two and a half minute in between innings clock can be paused at the 30 second mark if the catcher isn't ready yet, provided the catcher made a reasonable effort to do so. That's the language, reasonable effort. So in that case, as long as he made a reasonable effort, the catcher is going to be allowed to receive one warm-up pitch and make a throw down to second base. Last, lastly, if a hitter calls timeout, which is allowed once per plate appearance, the clock is going to restart from 15 or 20 once he's alert in the batter's box. So now the batter now has the onus. It's on the batter to tell the umpire when he's ready, regardless of where he's standing. And that would restart the clock. So basically, you get your one plate, your one timeout per plate appearance, and then they would just restart the clock. I'm not sure if it's going to be 15 or if it's going to be 20. Here I'm just seeing 15 or 20. I'm not sure what they finally decided on. Interesting. We'll have to see what the final language of the rule is in the rule book. But keep in mind that if a batter uses his timeout, his one timeout, and he's replaced in the middle of an at-bat due to an injury, the pinch hitter will not get an additional timeout. So there's really only one timeout timeout per at-bat that can be used for anybody who takes that at-bat. Any batter who takes that at-bat. So there's also one more rule change which hasn't been implemented yet, but it seems like imminent. It's about to happen. It's that right now in spring training, some pitchers and catchers have been flipping the pitch comp system so that it's the pitcher relaying the signs to the catcher. Teams have been experimenting with that this spring. It hasn't been approved for regular season usage yet, but it's been reported that it's expected to be approved perhaps as soon as this week. So we'll see. We'll see if that happens. But, you know, at this point, I'm a big fan of the rule changes. Shaving off 25 minutes is a win. I I don't know why. I mean, I know why people aren't happy about it, right? It takes away some of the suspense. I saw a tweet the other day where someone suggested that you get rid of the pitch clock during the postseason so that we can have those big postseason moments again. That's that's an interesting idea. Because I can I can see that because in the postseason you don't have the issue where, you know, teams you have all thirty teams playing every day. It's just these marquee matchups in prime time T V slots. So if you get rid of the pitch clock, people who are tuning into the postseason already ready to watch like a full three-hour game they're not necessarily you know trying to get on and just watching the regular season game it's it's a bigger deal so i can i i can get behind that honestly i can get behind that one so that's what's being discussed moving on to our next topic there's an article talking about the likeliest award winner from every team and this is obviously not an official list or anything. It's just you know someone's opinion, but I'm going to share it. So, just run through every team real quick. 
AL East, you have the Blue Jays, Vlad Guerrero Jr., MVP. Orioles, Gunnar Henderson, third base, rookie of the year. I can see that one. That, this dude is nice. <laughs> he maintained his rookie eligibility, but you know, he can have some competition with his teammate, right-hander Grayson Rodriguez, but Gunnar Henderson can hit. He's 21 years old and the number one prospect in all of Major League Baseball. But he's among the favorites to win rookie of the year. Rays, shortstop Wander Franco, MVP. He's in that conversation. Red Sox, Tristan Cassis, first baseman, rookie of the year. Yankees, Aaron Judge, of course, MVP. Guardians, Jose Ramirez, MVP. Royals, outfielder Drew Waters, rookie of the year. Tigers, utility player Ryan Kreidler, rookie of the year. So talking about this one real quick, a year ago, Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green seemed like obvious rookie of the year candidates for the Tigers, but struggles and injury intervened with that. This year, the Tigers don't have any frontline blue chip prospects coming to the surface, but they have some young players who should have the opportunity to make an impact. Ryan Kreidler is one of them. He's a natural shortstop who's going to play all over the field. So we'll see. The Twins, Carlos Correa, MVP. I mean, if he's healthy, right? It was a never-ending free agent saga with him. That finally ended with him right back where he started in Minnesota. So we'll see. He's gotten down about MVP votes three times in his career, but he never finished higher than fifth. White Sox, Oscar Colas, their outfielder rookie of the year. And going to AL West, of course, with the Angels, Otani is always in the running for MVP. Astros, Kyle Tucker, MVP. The A's, Shintaro Fujinami, rookie of the year, right-handed pitcher. Mariners, Julio Rodriguez, MVP. I mean, he was near unanimous rookie of the year in 2022. And he seemingly has an MVP in his future at some point. So why not now? Why not now? Rangers, Jacob deGrom, Cy Young, of course. Heading to that National League, Ronald Acuna Jr., MVP. So on last year's list, some people assumed Acuna would immediately return to an MVP level after a major knee surgery. And quite frankly, no one really saw Michael Harris II and Spencer Strider making a major as major of an impact as they did when they finished one and two in the rookie of the year. But it, after a normal offseason like we've just had, Acuna is one of the odds-on favorites for NL MVP in 2023. With the Marlins, Sandy Alcantara, Cy Young, of course, he's he's the reigning winner. The Mets, Justin Verlander, Cy Young, of course, he's the reigning AL winner. Nationals, Thad Ward is a right-handed pitcher who is, you know, he's being tabbed as someone who could be in the running for rookie of the year. But honestly, the Nats just don't give us much to work with. Their best young players have already exceeded their rookie eligibility limits. And number four prospect, Kate Cavalli, just had season-ending elbow injury. So it's tough. It's tough. For the Phillies, Aaron Nola, you know, Cy Young. I mean, if you look at the Phillies' best pick for MVP, Trey Turner's probably that guy. But the And that's simply because Bryce Harper's going to be out for the first half of the year. But the voting tends to favor guys with more power than Trey Turner. And thus, that, that's just been the truth. So if you have someone with an award coming out of Philadelphia, probably a Cy Young, someone like Nola or Zach Wheeler. And then NL Central Brewers, Corbin Burns, Cy Young, of course, we know. He won in 2021. Cardinals, Arenado, third baseman, MVP. Not Goldie, because even though he's the reigning MVP, you know, he's... 35, and he was the oldest MVP of the steroid testing era. Arenado's entering his age 32 season, so, and he finished third last year. He has three other top five finishes. I think, you know, people are just betting on on the aging curve going his way this time instead of 
Goldie. They're, they're, I mean, that's a nice way of me saying people are betting that Goldie falls off. The Cubs, Hayden Wisniewski, right-handed pitcher, rookie of the year. But honestly, I think the Cubs' best bet for an award might be on Cody Bellinger for comeback player of the year. But we'll see. Um, that's not a major award, though. And the Pirates, Ji-Hwan Bay, second baseman outfielder, rookie of the year. Reds, Spencer Steer, third baseman, rookie of the year. Now to the NL West, D-backs, Corbin Carroll, outfielder, rookie of the year. We all, we all know about him. So Gunnar Henderson's the favorite for the AL rookie of the year. Corbin Carroll is many people's favorites for National League because they just cleared a path to his everyday role, signed into an eight-year extension. He had an 830 OPS in his first 115 play appearances in the majors. Yeah, he's he's a he's a favorite for that award. Dodgers, Mookie Betts is their their MVP candidate this year. I mean, Freddie Freeman is also in that discussion, quite frankly. And Giants have Logan Webb as a Cy Young candidate. Padres, Juan Soto as an MVP candidate. Although they have a bunch of guys who could who could contend for that. They have Machado as well. They have you know Tatis who's back. Everyone's kind of sleeping on Tatis now. Not hearing much about him because he was suspended for most of last season. But remember what this dude was doing when he was on the field. But we'll see, you know, when he's actually clean, uh, perhaps, you know, presumably without any PEDs, what he can do. But I think this guy's still super talented and will remind everyone that he's he's him. Last but not least, the Rockies, Ezekiel Tovar, shortstop, who could be a rookie of the year candidate. That's an easy call. He's the number 25 prospect in Major League Baseball. And as a Rockies everyday shortstop, He's the rookie with the clearest breakout potential in 2023 for Colorado. So they're going to give him every opportunity to figure it out and stick at that position. So those are the rankings. It's just, I mean, just a fun little ranking. It's not like saying each of these guys are going to win. It's just saying for every team, who is their likeliest award winner? That's all. So that's going to do for today, folks. If you enjoyed this, please share with someone who'd be interested. And we'll see you next time on Baseball Connection.